0: All right, all right. Praise the Lord. Amen to that. You know, I am excited. We are starting a new series today uh, that is very near and dear to my heart. And the reason why it's very near and dear to my heart is because it's about ministering to people. It's about the people of God being ministers to others, right? It's called Wounded Healers. Mm. Right, pretty uh, poetic. See, the church is not filled, as you know, I mean, contrary to popular belief, the church is not filled with perfect people. I know, shocker, right, who have it all together. Rather, the churches are filled with wounded, suffering, afflicted, um, hurt souls. We know this. And yet it is these very souls that God takes, that He heals, that He comforts, souls who have been hurt by their past, souls who are undergoing painful suffering, personal sufferings, souls that have uh, encountered pain from loss, these are the very people that God takes and turns into healers. And the reason why it's so near and dear to my heart is because one of the big things about TLC is that our vision is about love God, love people, and serve the world, right? And our journey is to minister to people. Do you realize that? That if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are called to minister to people. See, ministry is not just a a group that you belong to that does work for the church. Ministry is pretty much a, a gathering of brothers and sisters who have a desire to minister to a very specific need. We're all called to ministry. We're all called to be ministers to people's lives. So that's why the series is so important. And it's so much more important in a time where we are going through COVID because we're we're, we're distant, but we shouldn't be disconnected. And the children of God are the very people who are to be ministering to those around them. Y'all following me? right? When was the last time you thought about that? That, that? that as a believer you are called to be ministers. You are called to minister to the souls and lives of those around you. And I hope that this series will kind of bring that conviction to reality. I pray that this series will, will help us to recognize that and help us to have eyes so that we can look around not just in our church, but in our family, in our workplaces, in our schools That we will have the eyes to see God, you have placed me here to minister to these souls To be a wounded healer to these souls You'd be surprised, right? So we're, we're, we're in that series, we're in the series, Wounded Healers And then uh, it's from the second letter to uh, the church in Corinth, Second Corinthians that Paul writes. So let me give you a cu- couple of uh, backgrounds, quick backgrounds before we, uh, we get into uh, our, our passage for today, okay? So the church in Corinth, Paul was the founding pastor of this church. He went there. It, it's a metropolis city. It's kind of like the LA, the New York, the Hollywood of its time. People go there to uh, get rich or die trying. People don't really belong there. They kind of immigrate to there and they kind of leave to go back to their place once they get rich, right? It's a very big city. And Paul, is known to build or establish churches in these cultural settings, cultural setting uh, locations like a big city. And he goes there he establishes the church he establishes the leaders and he does what he always does he moves on to establish churches somewhere else but he always checks back in with them and when he checked back in with them he found out the church in Corinth have gone astray. That, that they have got into a lot of problems among their people. There, were, there was division, there was hierarchy issues, there were issues of sexual immorality, there was issues of idolatry, there was issue of temple worship, there was issues all over the place. And so what does Paul do? Paul writes the letter that we know as 1 Corinthians to the church to do what? To correct the problems that they were facing. All right, he writes that letter. Now. You would think that the founding pastor writes you a letter to tell you, Hey, this is wrong. These are things that you need to correct and kind of think about that you would listen. But guess what happens? Many people in the church rejected Paul. They rejected Paul's teaching in the letter and they rebelled against his authority. They thought, Paul, that guy? That guy's not authoritative. He's this old, bow-legged guy. He doesn't speak with eloquence. He doesn't, he doesn't have power. He's not rich. He's not commanding. He's not a formative person. He's not a leadership type, pretty much. right? Paul writes well, but his delivery is not like that. As so I said, we are not going to take this guy seriously. And so what Paul does is what? He says, okay, then I'm going to come and meet you face to face. You know you messed up when the founding pastor said, I want to come and meet with you guys. right? And so... He calls and he meets with them in a personal visit, which in Second Corinthians alludes to it, t- telling us that it was a very painful visit. It was a painful visit for him, and it was a painful visit for them. Because when he got there, they pretty much brushed him aside. And so when he left, he penned a letter that we don't have, okay? He penned a letter to them and uh, to, to, to address What's going on? And whatever he said in that letter, okay, that we don't have, whatever he said in that letter was powerful enough that it literally broke them. It it helped, it made them see their ways, it made them see how wicked they were, it made them see the way they were treating Paul, and they just felt a rush of guilt and shame and fear that Paul has left them and abandoned them, right? That Paul has rejected them as they have rejected Paul. I don't know what he wrote in that letter No one knows what he wrote in that letter But you gotta imagine Paul must have bust out some Holy Spirit stuff He must have called out some stuff That they didn't think he would know about And he pretty much rebuked them in such a way they They were just broken by it And they thought it was over They thought it was done But Paul then does what? He writes them this letter The second letter to the Corinthians that we have And in this letter he tells them this I still love you I'm committed to you. Do not be afraid. I'm still with you. Let me teach you what it means to minister to people. Let me teach you what it means to be a person who ministers to another person. And that is the heart of 2nd Corinthians. The glory of ministry. The, the, the commitment to care for others it, around you. Okay? And so here we are, chapter 1, 2 Corinthians, if you guys can come go there, and the question that we're going to try to answer is this, is why do we experience, after after confessing Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and having Him in our heart, why is it that the Christian life still experiences suffering, still experiences hardship, still experiences trouble in their day-to-day life? See, why do we still experience suffering, trouble, hardship after we have chosen to follow Jesus? And Paul is going to help answer that question for us. That if you're going through suffering, personal hardship, painful losses, right? If you're going through ups and downs in your life, if you're going through a situation that's just so heartbreaking, Paul is going to help answer, give an answer to that question. Why do we experience suffering, trouble, and hardship as we follow Jesus Christ? You guys ready for that? Alright. Open your Bibles, Second Corinthians chapter 1. Okay. We're going to start at verse uh, 1, and read to verse 5. 1 and 2 is pretty much his introduction, his hello that he always does everywhere. 3 and 5 is when he begins to talk about this, this, this comfort, that God gives. Check this out, okay? Second Corinthians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. To the church of God in Corinth, together with all the saints throughout Achaia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. Okay? Why do we experience suffering, suffering, trouble, hardships in following Jesus? The first answer is this, so that we may experience God's Comfort. The reason why we face these things, the reason why these things happen, Paul is saying, okay, just as the sufferings of Christ flow into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. That the Lord, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is the God of all comfort. Okay, we experience suffering. Hardship, affliction, pain, loss, because, so that we may experience God's comfort. Paul saying that in the midst of troubles and suffering that he, that he experiences from falling after Christ, he received just as much comfort in those afflictions. He has all these afflictions, has all these sufferings, all these troubles. In the midst of all of that, he experiences and he receives just as much comfort Comfort from God as he does suffering from these afflictions and, and these issues. And the word I want you guys to understand here, if you guys haven't got the point yet, is the word comfort, right? See, the word comfort in the Bible, at least in this here, in the Greek, it, it has a heavy uh, note to it. It's not just simply, um, when we think of the word comfort, we're thinking about like, oh, let me just make you feel better. Let me like, you know... Feel sympathy for you. Let me let me um, let me nod my head and tell you that I understand where you are at, right? See, when when the Bible says the God of all comfort, who comforts us, right? The God of all that we have received his comfort, the word comfort here is heavier than that. It means to come alongside someone, to be next to them, okay? In order to offer help and hope. See, God's comfort brings two aspects to it. It is help and hope. The word comfort in this sense must always have two specific driving points it is to bring help and to bring hope. That is the comfort that Paul experienced from God. This is the the comfort that Paul continuously experiences from God in the midst of all these afflictions. It is the experience of help, and it's the experience of hope, okay? So, what was the help and hope that God offered to Paul, okay? Check this out. Go down to verse 8. We'll get to the other verse in a little bit. go down to verse 8. Paul is is going to be sharing about a situation that he was going through, okay? 8 to 11, this is what he says. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, so I I want you guys to understand this, about the hardship we suffered in the province of Asia. He went through a lot of hardships here. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Whatever he was he was going through, and you know Paul, he told me he can endure a lot of stuff, but this was way more than he can endure. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death, But this happened, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us. On Him we have set our hope that He will continue to deliver us. So as you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many." See, God's comfort brings help, right? It brings both help and hope. But let's talk about help first. What is this help that God offered to Paul? See, in the verses what we, we just read, Paul was experiencing a hardship that was so bad, so bad he wanted to die. Have you guys ever felt that way? Right? The other day I biked 26 miles with Love and Grace. I felt that way. I felt like I wanted to die, right? That's just because I'm out of shape. But I'm pretty sure Paul felt something worse than that, right? He felt a hardship that was so bad he wanted to die. We don't know what it was. It could have been like a a malady that he was going through, a physical ailment, or it could have actually been a really horrible and powerful and very uh, deep persecution that he was encountering. We don't know which one it was, but it was enough that he wanted to die for it. Right? He couldn't endure it anymore. And we see that in verse 10, what? He was delivered from it. This is what he says in verse 10. He has delivered, he being God, has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us still. For on Him we have set our hope that He will continue to deliver us." God somehow orchestrated the events to get Him out of it. Whatever it was, God orchestrated something to get Him out of it. And He's telling everyone the story. This is how God comforted me by helping me through this situation. There was a physical deliverance a coming alongside to offer help in the midst of his suffering and hardship. Why do we experience hardship, suffering, and affliction? So that we may experience God's comfort. So that we may experience God's hand of help in these situations. So that we can see the magnificence, the beauty, the wonders and the, the miracle of God's hand in helping us. We see this in the Christian life. When you, for example, when you take a huge risk to help someone at the cost of getting maybe sick yourself, right? Maybe someone is sick and you decide, I want to come and help you. And at the cost of getting sick yourself. And you think, that's it. I got it. I'm pretty much, I'm screwed. But what do we see? It can come in a way where God comforts you where He spares your family and He spares your life. When you were thought all hope is lost, you've taken this risk and now you're going to pay for it and you're pretty much screwed and you leave all your kids behind, leave your family behind, and yet God comes alongside and He spares you and your family. He comforts us with His help, right? Or we see this through situations where, let's say we got fired because we, uh, because what the boss wanted us to do, lie, cheat, uh, manipulate the clients, twist the numbers a little bit, right, was counter to what God has placed in our conscience. And so what happens? So here we are, we're, we're trying to follow after God, we're trying to do what's right, doing, what, doing what's moral, doing what's, you know, good for our conscience, what God's put in our conscience and not listen to our boss. And we're thinking, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm fired, everything is screwed, I'm dead. And God comes alongside to bring comfort in the way of what? giving us a job, or providing us another job that's may- maybe even better, that, 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 that we never thought we could actually get. See, God's comfort is one of the reasons why we experience these afflictions. He wants you to sense His hand in your life. He wants you to experience his comfort in your life. He wants you to know that He is not a distant God, but that He is a God that is up close, that is watching over you, that is coming alongside of you, that is reaching His hand out to help you. Let me give you another example. See, we see this through times when we know that giving an offering to God is going to set us back a little more this month because maybe we, we didn't make as much as we did last month. We do it anyways at the, at the cost of maybe not being able to pay rent at the cost of maybe not even being able to uh, have a meal the last week of the month, right? And we're we're, we're facing this, this suffering, we're facing this hardship and what do we see? We see God showing up with His hand a provision to get you through the month to get you through this month, the month that you thought you're not going to make it, the month that you thought that you're not going to be get there. He comes alongside you. He says, let me show you. Let me help you. Let me deliver you. He puts us in these places where we, 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 we face afflictions, we face suffering, we face hardships, so that we can experience God's help, God's comfort. Another example. We see this when we choose to honor God in our relationship with our significant others. And and God allowed for you to see the emotional and the physical and the spiritual turmoil of a relationship devoid of Him. Thus helping you to realize the wisdom of His word when it comes to marriage and relationships. So here you are, you're, you're, you're in this relationship and you, and you want to make the partner happy, you want to make them uh, to like you more and to kind of get deeper in the relationship, but you want to honor God at the cost of maybe really messing up this relationship and you're thinking, you know what, you're fighting all the time now, you're having issues because you're trying to stick with what God calls you to do, and what happens? He comes alongside you and He helps you see. He helps your eyes to be open and realize, look at what a relationship that's devoid of me actually looks like. Look at the end direction and trajectory of a relationship without me look like. And have courage. Be comforted that what you are choosing to do is good. See, we see this in the Christian life when God frees us from sexual bondage that has kept us useless and paralyzed. And so God comes alongside and He frees us from our addictions. We're thinking, I'm too shameful. I can't, I can't ever look at another person. No, no, no one will love me if they knew what the things that I think about. No one will love me if they knew the things that I, that I struggle with, the things that I fight in my heart, the things that I think about other people. No one will possibly love me. And God comes alongside you and He delivers you from sexual bondage or addiction in general. He shows you his comfort, he shows you his help. I remember, man. I remember, I remember, as a as as a as a young buck, choosing to go into ministry. My biggest my biggest thing was fearing whether I'm going to be able to pay my bills, fearing if I can even get married. i like, how how are you gonna get married with no money, right? How how are you gonna raise kids with no money, right? Fearing about where am I gonna live. Fearing about how I'm gonna feed my mom and my grandma, like what's gonna be up with them? Like they can't work anymore. They're gonna take care of me for the rest of my life. That's not responsible. Having these 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 inner struggles, these affi- afflictions, these hardships, and then seeing what, seeing God comfort me in my life. This was, how long has it been? Like about since I chose it, two thousand six to now. 14 years, and in these 14 years what God has shown me, how God, how God has comforted me has always been this, I will always give you enough. You will always have enough. I got married on a pastor's salary, right? That's not even like TLC pastor salary, that was like the old school pastor salary, that was right. I got a kid, that must cost a lot of money, right? He goes to the after school program, that costs a lot of money I got a second one, I don't know how we're paying for that one But you know, that, must come, that, that one comes with a, lot of pay, uh, with a huge price tag as well Right? But throughout these 14 years, God has comforted my hardship Every month when i kind of like, oh, how are we going to get through this month? By what? By always telling me, or showing me, you will always have enough That's His comfort We go through afflictions, hardships, suffering, so that you can experience His comfort. God comes to help. But it's not just to help. It is to also provide hope. Okay? God's comfort is both help and hope. Because it's not just about like, oh God, come help me. Come save me. All right, that's cool. You showed up this time. Woohoo, right? Oh, you didn't show up this time? Well, screw you. No, He comes to offer help and to offer hope so we can endure. Check this out. Okay? How did God comfort give Paul hope? Look at verse 8 to 10 again. Let me read this part to you yes. So as he was struggling, uh, he despaired for his life. Verse 9, Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death, but this happened so that we may not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us. On Him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us Paul realized in verse 9 he was put in such a position that he would no longer or he could no longer put his hope in himself you see no matter how how mature you are as a believer right no matter how how far along you are in your faith there will always come a moment where you are just constantly still self-reliant you follow me There's got to come a point where you're just constantly self-reliant, but then you face affliction, and then you face hardship, and then you face loss, and then you face suffering to the point where you can't rely on yourself anymore. And so what does God do? He comforts us by help and hope. He comes alongside us and He gives us hope that our hope is no longer in our Ability that we no longer rely on our skill sets, our mental capacity, or our riches, or our money, or our intellect, but our hope now is completely reliant upon God. He brings us hope. Right? See, he 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 brings us hope how in, in the truth that God can raise the dead. The hope is that He shows us, I have brought Jesus Christ back from the dead. You know what that means? If God can bring someone back from the dead, what fear do I have of my present predicament? The worst that can happen in my present predicament is I will die. But why do I have to be afraid of death? God raises the dead. You follow me? God raises the dead. Such a hope does what? It gives me strength. Such a hope does what? It gives me power to push forward and never give up. Such a hope fashions in me the ability to endure in a life that cruelty could not crush. Such a hope gives me strength to continue to move forward. Because I'm not relying upon me now, I'm relying upon what He has done. And if He can raise the dead back, if He can raise the dead to life, and the biggest problem that my predicament, my suffering, my hardship, my affliction can bring to me is death. That's the worst case scenario that can happen. What do I have to fear? For my hope is in the one who raises the dead. See, let me tell you something, church. No worldview out there gives a hope and a solid foot to stand on in the midst of suffering like Christianity. There is no other worldview that gives its believers a solid foot to stand in the midst of losing all hope. You don't believe me? You don't believe me? How do I know this, right? Take away the things, the very things that you rely on for your worth, for your value, for your purpose, for your strength, take those things away. You see, if work is your, is what you is what you value on, is what you rely on, is what you, is what gets you to move forward. The moment you lose your job, the moment the market crashes and you lose all your money, what happens? You lose your footing. You lose your place. You have nothing to move forward with. You have no hope to go forward. You've lost everything that you. That, 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 that gave you a sense of control Gave you a sense of direction You lost it all See for a Christian though Even if we lose it all and, and I'm not saying that we don't suffer when we lose things Of course we suffer when we lose our job But we have His comfort That brings us not only help But hope The worst that can happen to me Is death itself But I do not fear for why My God raises the dead Right? Take away, take it away. If you don't believe me, take away the things in the life of a person who who holds on to something for their self, who rely on these things for their worth and their value. If it's a family, your children, if you're a mother out there, some, some mothers, some fathers, hold on to their children with worth and value, that these are my babies, that I, my whole life is for them. And the moment they disappear, the moment they abandon you, the moment they, they, they leave you, you lose all sense of direction, hope or relationship. If your relationship is like that, the moment you lose, the moment you have a heartache, the moment someone breaks up with you, the moment they hurt you, you spiral out of control. You lose all sense of direction. You have no solid foot to stand on. And the best case scenario is you jump to another thing. That's the best case scenario. You jump to another thing that can definitely fail you again. Right? But Christians, we have the God of all comfort. Then in the midst of us suffering, enduring hardship, going through afflictions and following Jesus, we are able to experience God's comfort in his help and in hope. See, believers in the midst of some of the greatest tragedies produces some of the greatest acts of strength, and endurance. How does God do that? The life and death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It gives us a sense of hope. You follow me? Okay. Why do we experience suffering, trouble, hardship, in following Jesus? So that we may experience God's comfort, His help, and His hope. But there's another reason why we experience suffering, trouble, hardship, and following Jesus. There's another reason why we experience those things. Let me uh, go to verse 4, and then we're going to read down to verse 7, okay? 4 to 7. Who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves have received from God. Verse 6 to 7 says, if we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort which produces in you patient endurance of the same suffering we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our suffering, so also you share in our comfort. What is Paul saying here? That oftentimes we experience these hardships, we experience these sufferings, we experience these distress, we experience these afflictions, is so that we may give comfort to others. Why do we experience these things? So that we may give comfort to others. See, the comfort that we receive is meant to be used to comfort others. It is meant to be ministry to others. See, realize this, guys, realize this. The pain that you have gone through in your life, the wounds that you have felt from your past, the sufferings that you have undergone, do you know that they were meant to be a tool by Satan to keep you stuck? To keep you in the cycle of pain? To keep you in the cycle of suffering? To keep you chasing and running? Do you know that that is the very tool that God that that Satan uses to keep you at bay? The hurt you receive from your father and your mother the wounds that they give you abandonment or just hostile words just abuse in that way is so that you would feel useless and worthless Ashamed of who you are, unable to stand up because you're just not confident. Worse yet, it creates in you such a wound that it becomes your legacy to your children afterwards and you pass that on. Do you not realize that that, that pain was is, is, is orchestrated by Satan? By the powers of darkness to keep you in the cycle of more pain? Or the trap of sexual addiction? That that wound you have, the fear of rejection, your addiction that you go through, okay? It keeps you paralyzed and under, and, and under control so, so much so that it renders you powerless. It renders you as a coward, it renders you useless. Especially young men, we, we are rendered paralyzed because of sexual addiction. Over and over. Shame and guilt, or worse yet, we become apathetic to it. We don't even know the problem that's causing in our minds. We definitely don't understand the ramification it has on our legacy. The pain that you have gone through was meant to be a tool by Satan to keep you at bay. Pains like losing a loved one, someone that you care for, and watching them die before you Wounds you in such, such a way where you don't trust God Or any authority figure in your life Telling you that it's going to be okay Telling you that everything's going to be fine Wounds like the way you hurt your body With your eating disorder right? Always to make you feel like you weren't good enough That you're not pretty enough That you're not worthy in the eyes of a, the opposite sex enough So you have to do this to yourself over and over and over Wounding yourself mentally, emotionally, spiritually Wounds like daddy issues that you receive from him leaving And you running now after anything that breathes Chasing after that love Because you lost it or never had it Messing you up in a big way Right? But let me tell you something these afflictions, these distress, these hardships, these troubles that you go through, the reason why you experience them as you are following Jesus, because they don't go away when you when you make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. The reason why you experience them is so that you may now be a person who can comfort others. See, God comforts you so that you can no longer be chained down by the afflictions of these sins and that you now can become a comforter, a healer to those who are going through the exact same thing you went through. God comforts you in your afflictions, in your issues. He comes alongside you to help you and to give you hope so that now that you, this wounded, restored saint, goes forth and become a healer to other wounded people. All right? You become a tool and a weapon of power. You bring people who have suffered the same way out of that darkness. You're no longer hiding it because you've been freed from it. You're no longer ashamed of it because now you stand firm in who he is and you're not going to let those words, those shame break you down. You are free because of God's help and God's hope. And so you go and you bring others out with you. You bring people who have been addicted out of those addictions and find freedom. You, you who have felt worthless or lost, now you bring those who have the same issues of feeling worthless and lost out of the same situation. Those who have lost loved ones to find healing and comfort in their pain. Those your suffering for Jesus teaches others how to suffer for Jesus. Don't you realize that? The way you endure... Jesus teaches others how to endure for Jesus and when you get comforted by Jesus it teaches others to endure and to fight on just like Paul said it teaches others to endure and to continue the fight knowing that God comforts us with his help and his hope your wounds under the comfort of God becomes the healing power for the wounded why do you experience these things church after following after Jesus why does he allow for these things to happen to you why why, why, why are these things there so that you may now be a comfort to others so that now you can heal others by your wounds you can bring healing. Where's that from? Isaiah. You know who that talks about? Jesus. By His wounds, we are healed. And we who have been healed by our wounds, we can be healers to those around us. You guys get me? So my prayer, church, is this. We are broken people, and you know this. If you know your pastor, Any amount of years, you know this is the most broken of all, right? It's a miracle that I can even preach to you as I do. We are broken people, but it is in these broken, wounded, struggling, suffering people that God comes alongside. He brings His comfort, His help, His hope, and He transforms you to be a person of comfort. Realize that, church. And I pray that, one, you will experience God's comfort, and two, if you have experienced God's comfort, you will become a person who comforts others. Let's pray.